Geeks be with you. Hello and welcome back to Geek Orthodox. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jake. And I feel terribly wronged. What the heck, guys? <laughs> Jared might be out of a job. He did that very well. Yeah, he did. It's still sane. <laughs> the new guest host of Geek Orthodox, Jake. Welcome back, Jake. I saved for my last time on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're not actually firing Jared. Yet. But would you not say that that opening was a nice plot twist? Da-da-da. And that leads wow, us... Wow, Aaron, that's some great foreshadowing for today's episode. <laughs> because today, we are delving into what makes a great story. This is the first of a planned trilogy where we will be talking about what makes a great story, what makes a great hero, and what makes a great villain. The second one's going to be strangely overhyped in all directions. The third one just isn't going to go anywhere. But, you know, the first one's going to be great. <laughs> and those of you who are fans of my YouTube channel that is a relic of a bygone age... Uh, it's been 3,000 years. <laughs> it's been 84 years. I started doing this series on my YouTube channel and then never quite finished it. Like, we're starting with the episode that hadn't gotten released yet. Exactly. So, it's like a live-action remake where we're taking the same idea and then adding a bunch of stuff nobody asked for. And removing every bit of soul in it. So we're sorry, Pixar fans. <laughs> and just completely off-brand, we planned this episode. What is this sorcery? Yeah. I feel maligned. I feel utterly confused. We've the been, first time. We've been betrayed, backstabbed, and quite possibly bamboozled. Hold on, this whole operation was your idea. That was just a whole slew of references. That reference list is going to be fun to edit. How about it, bro? <laughs> so, uh, I'm probably going to edit it anyways. Moving on. Yeah, you probably are. All right, so we each have a list of talking points, Jake less so, but... Uh, well, there's still points we can all talk on. <laughs> no need to call them out like that. Like, you would really do that to your new guest host? Come on, come on, Aaron. I see through the lies of the Jedi. I know. You were writing these points five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, his archives were incomplete. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still laughing at the I see through the lies of the Jedi. <laughs> Alright. We need to get started before I just die. So... <laughs> What, two minutes into this recording and I'm already just gone? It isn't even an Come Emily on, episode. Aaron, you can't die right in the middle of your character. <laughs> All right. F in the chat for Kamina. Shout out if you got the reference. Who? Shout out if you got that reference, too. We're not even, like, recording this late at night. It's 2.50 on a Saturday. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. It's really not. Regular crowd ignores the peanut gallery. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> 9 o'clock in uh, Western Europe. Hashtag minor deeds. Had to get that out of the way. Moving on. Yep. All right, so our guest, what is the first talking point you have for us to discuss and utterly criticize to the point of no return? We'll yeah. try not to uh, be mean. The point of no return, what is this, Phantom of the Opera? Yes. Okay, great. Moving past it. My first major plot or no, major point <laughs> is plot. Oh, I said that wrong. Major <laughs> point, plot. Is that a spinnerism? Uh, I don't know. Mm. That would be if you said, like, major point, pot. Ah, uh, pot? Yeah. Let's move on. So, what do you I have with pan DLC of pot? Plot. plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's spreading. 
<laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. I Lord. think that a good plot needs to hook you from the get go. Absolutely agree. I feel like a lot of times when you're recommending different types of media to people, you're gonna kind of give them a one or two sentence kind of like summary. not summary. What's the summary description of the thing just yeah. to kind of hook them? And so I think that your story needs to kind of have that. They need to have something that is interesting and something that will draw people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And it even just relates to short stories where you can, like, even if your entire plot doesn't start, you can have an action sequence starting out to really draw your people, your readers in with intensity. As I mm-hmm. call it, the uh, classic Brandon Sanderson first chapter action sequence. Except it was the prologue in Mistborn. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if I've read a Brandon Sanderson book yet that didn't start with an action sequence. I mean, it's a good way to introduce your character's abilities organically. Yeah. Especially if they're beyond the norm. How are we doing this? Do I do all my points or do you guys? I feel like we could talk a bit more about, like... Yeah, what what else do you have under plot? Because, like, Jared and I have more specific talking points. Or I can, like, jump into a plot branch if you have nothing else to add. Uh, I have some stuff that I can talk about. Go right so ahead. what are I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on beginnings, middles, and endings, and how those like compare with one another. Like, what is what do you think is the most important, and what do you think that often is neglected in a good story? I think the end is the most important, and the middle is the most neglected. I think that's fair. Like for beginnings in specific, I do like them to start with an action scene, as I've already said. But I do think having too much exposition can drag on for far too long. That's why that's why I wouldn't say the beginning is the most neglected, because often people will work for so long on the beginning, because if you don't have a good beginning, no one's going to finish read it. Read past it, yeah. It has to be organic enough where people still want to read it, but exposition enough that your people still know what's going on near the end of the book. It's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. As for the middle, you can just carry on the momentum of what you started in the beginning, which is why, yeah, it's often neglected because some things just fall to the wayside as you try to keep that momentum up. Mm-hmm. Like you can also throw in some comic relief easily in the middle. Yeah. Like in like a break between your major action and your climax, but at the same time, and it's like it's you brief. you know where you start and you know where you're trying to go, but you have to figure out how to get there. It is basically the haven for discovery writers. Is the Mm-hmm. middle because they can do whatever they want as long as they get to their end point but for people who plan for it architect out, writers agreed and if we need to explain those terms we need to explain those terms go watch brandon sanderson's creative writing lectures not wrong but just a quick summary so discovery writers are people who don't outline they just start writing and it they have a brief works. idea and then architect writers are people who plan out everything extensively outline uh, I've also heard the terms uh, plotter and pantser. Like a tank? Maybe. I don't know. You mean potter? <laughs> and planter? I don't know what that was. Moving back on. Yeah, I definitely think that the endings are the most... Because you got to figure out how to tie everything together. Yeah, and a bad ending can really kind of ruin the story. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's the end of not only one book but a set, like Hunger Games Book Three, we were talking about before the show. It kind of just ruined the entire like emotional progression of the series. And I also want to talk about. I'm not sure if either of you have read these, but the Divergent series. 
I've heard that the ending is bad. It is abysmal. Like, the first book was alright, I could see it working. Second book was getting more confusing, and the third book, just everything fell apart. Yeah, I have not read the Diversion series. That's fine. Don't. <laughs> it's that bad. Well, the ending is. It made me want to, like, throw the entire series. I didn't. I, I actually have, if I'm remembering correctly, I have a friend who read the last book of Divergent and legitimately threw it across the room. Yeah, that checks. The thing is, like, for writing a series of books, the first book has to have its own begittle, beginning... Begittle? Beginnel, yes. Has to have its own beginning, middle, and ending, while still being the beginning of an entire series. So it has to leave a lot of plot points unresolved until mm-hmm. later on. Discovery writers might find it even more difficult to do yeah. that. But architect writers can be like, yes, this is my moment. And then they look at discovery writers and they go, you have no power here. Is it like a, the beginnel, the middle, and the endle? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> it's it's a secret on the McDonald's menu, the beginnel. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know the Freytag Pyramid? Uh, maybe? That's the thing that goes like the... Oh, that, the, the, yes. Yes, the thing yes. goes like the exposition, the rising action, the climax of the oh, action. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Because that's also like a five-section display of the beginning, middle, and end. And we can even split it up further if you want to talk about books that follow the hero's journey. Yeah. But that's a narrative unto itself. There's also the, like, three-act structure that I don't really quite understand, but I've, Apparently I've heard a lot the of plays do that, yeah. And a lot of movies follow that structure. Mm, like Endgame. Yeah. Well, like third all act. the Avengers movies, really. True, true. Epic third act CGI fight scene. Yep. Ding. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we could talk about the hero's journey for a little bit. So the hero's journey is probably the most used plot archetype out there. I'd say so. Where basically it's... Let's see if I can remember these. Ordinary world... Call to action, refusal of the call, meeting the mentor, crossing the first, crossing threshold. The first threshold, test allies and enemies, approach to the innermost cave, uh, help, ordeal, uh, required Google break, SMH, it's not even an Emily episode, we keep doing this, plus this is the hero's journey, uh, approach to the innermost cave, ordeal, ordeal. seizing the sword, the road back, the resurrection, and return with the elixir. Why do you have that just written down? Why don't you? This is so sad. Wait, was that like a separate document that you just had? Not yes. related. Why? Why not? Okay. Just thought it would let's, be interesting. Let's move on from that. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's basically, if you've ever heard of this thing called uh, A New Hope, or this other thing called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, they are pretty strictly heroes' journey. Or this other thing called The Hobbit. Well, I haven't heard. Yeah. It. I haven't read it, but yeah, I know. You fool. I'm a Fly. key heretic. Coming soon to Disney minus. Lots of old stories tend to follow the heroes' journey. Like, yeah. Even like most sports stories or underdog stories also follow this trend. Jake, do you have anything else on plot? Yes, twists and foreshadowing and why foreshadowing is needed for a good twist. That why is foreshadowing needed for a good twist? I think that a lot of times, like when you first get the twist, and this is more my opinion, you don't 
have to believe this, but, um, like, let's say there's a big plot twist right in the middle, um, of a story. I feel like it's somewhat unsatisfying upon rereading or reconsuming the story when it pops out of nowhere. Because the first time you're just reading it, you're invested in the story. Something, like, totally catches you off guard and you're more surprised. You're not angry or, like, happy. Yeah. You're more just, like, shocked. But upon, like, re-entering the story, when you're on, like, looking for clues and, like, mm-hmm. signs of foreshadowing, it's, to me, it's more frustrating. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of had something of that ilk, not really, but something related, which is one of my talking points, is that to make a good story, it has to have plot twists that you can't figure out when consuming it for the first time. But you can figure it out when you're rereading or rewatching. Uh, yeah, again, it's got to be that delicate balance where you have something subtle enough that no one except Sherlock Holmes is going to notice it. Mm-hmm. But also, when you're reading, it's like, oh, you, why would you do that? And, like, for me, maybe I'm just bad at theories in general, but, like, if it's not handed to me on a silver platter, I'm probably not going to figure it out. So, I still get the shock value when I read it for the first time, but then when I reread it, I can see how it makes sense. And I have a great example, and I can't use it, because Jared's still reading it. You can at least say it for the readers at home. No, I can't. I really cannot. Just give the title, darn it. Oh, Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. There, was that so hard? Yes. I see. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Oh, But the examples of this happening are in Harry Potter with Snape's whole character arc. He's not actually a good person, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, that's that's a whole other episode. Unpopular Opinions episode? That could be interesting. Could be. If we anyway. also want to talk about controversial writers, you have the story Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Neither of you have read it, but know that its entire setup is a plot twist. Okay. Now I have to read it. Yes, yes yeah, we do. Now you've hooked me. If we can separate uh, content from creator, it's a really darn good story. But Mr. What's Card is... Orson, Cuts, Orson Scott Card? Homophobic. Ah. Throw him in the trash pile with J.K. Rowling. Excellent. Moving on. Um, That's where you keep the first child, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a different trash pile for... See, I've got one trash pile for trash authors, and then I've got one trash pile for trash books. The difference is that the trash books can be set on fire. Yeah, they tend to not like it when you set people on fire at Lydia. If you're if you're listening to this. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to tell her. I'm just going to wait and see if she listens to it and then sends me a message about it. Also, at Ozai. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly the nicest guy. He was going to do it to the Earth Kingdom, but then he got Avatar State yip yipped. I was going to say he got invited to Lake Laogai. Wouldn't that be a plot That's twist? That's a better joke. Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Yeah. The Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai. No, I'm not going to Lake Laogai. <laughs> Can I just stay at home? I'm feeling kind of down. Like, no. I knew I should have stayed home today. All right, so... Can Jay, I go give us into... one of your five jillion pot, pot points? <laughs> <laughs> that one wasn't even intent. Well, it wasn't intentional the first, I'll give you the some second time either. But... And some skillet points, and some 
Yeah, I ran out. Drill points. <laughs> but, like, we can also create differences in the types of plots. Like, there are two major types of stories, which is character-driven stories and plot-driven stories. For character-driven stories, the characters have a lot of agency, and what they do is affects the plot and how things go down. Whereas with plot-driven stories, characters are mainly reacting to events happening around them. Mm-hmm. So for character-driven stories, the focus is obviously the characters, and so to make that story good, you have to make the characters, A, able to interact well together, whether it's meshing well or getting into arguments that are really dramatic, or you have to have them have a lot of personality in general, or you could have one character have no personality at all, but have it be played for laughs. Mm. You could do, like, a parody series where there's every character except the main character knows they're in a parody series, uh. and just looking at, like, him acting all edgy and protagonist and is like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> that would be funny. Can and, you give me an example of, like, a character-driven story versus a plot-driven story? I'd say a more character-driven story is do mandatory they thinking exist? break. Are Obviously. they a myth? <laughs> like Giuseppe Verdi? Yes. Or Dewey Denouement? Yeah, I mean, I'd think a series it. of unfortunate events switches between them, I'd say. Because a lot of it is driven by Count Olaf, mm-hmm. and his actions make the Baudelaire's react. So told from the Baudelaire's, it's plot-centric. But told by from Count Olaf's perspective, it's character-driven. Yeah, and they do have a couple moments. The Baudelaire's do have a couple moments that are character-driven. Especially in the last book. Well, I was going to say, in um, Wide Window at the end. Also valid. But yeah, that's what my brain can come up with. I apologize. I planned a lot, but I didn't get specific examples. SMH. We can segue into characters here. Okay. But just a couple more things on plot first. Okay. First off, the main plot usually involves some sort of villain's plan and does if it doesn't make sense in the world it's tied to like if it's going on on the sideline when a perfectly valid other option is available you have to question why why the heck did the writer do that Mm -hmm. because if they write their own plot holes what the heck (laughs) and then something else that plots can use is taking cues from other cliches that their genres use Mm -hmm. like what i wrote down here is lamango durian the Mandalorian. Right. Oh, so like Which is the... a space western that takes a lot of cues from western stories. Western is in like American western, not like western culture. Correct. That's a whole different can of worms. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, do we want to segue into characters from here? Would you say most Ghibli movies are character driven? Depends on the story because you probably I know... say like Kiki and Kiki is definitely character driven. Uh, I feel like Totoro maybe. Totoro definitely is, even though it's more of a slice of life than an actual story yeah. with a plot. Spirited Away, I'd say, is plot-driven just because it's an absurd series of situations that Shihiro finds herself in. Mm-hmm. Castle in the Sky, I'm not entirely sure. Castle in the Sky is a good movie. Thank you. It's my favorite Ghibli movie. Alright, um, I have a couple more notes that I guess fall under plot. Oh boy. Uh, let's talk about comedy. Not divine comedy, just comedy. Well, darn, there goes my entire Dante rant. <laughs> Did you have one? I mean, it's an isekai anime, and I don't like it. <laughs> Dante is the original self-insert, that is all. So, I think that comedy needs to feel natural. It can't take you out of the story. It makes you laugh 
but it still feels natural coming from these characters or this situation. And it should not be overdone. Unless it's a comedy movie, in which case it should be overdone. But not to a ridiculous extent. I think you're mainly focusing on comic relief here, which is perfectly fine. But for comedic stories in general, something about it has to be sharp, unusual, or parodic, or else it just falls flat. So it has to be natural, or it has to be sharp, or else it'll fall flat. Thank you. Wah, wah. <laughs> but, like, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion. Maybe it is. But, like, Shazam? I feel like it just tried too hard. Like the movie Shazam. Did you watch that, Jake? I but I've heard that it's very comedy-centered. It is. And, like, maybe I just didn't like the type of comedy it had, but I just thought it was so overdone. Like, not overdone, per se, but, like... It was just... The comedy took away from the movie. That, I think, is fair to say, because there's way too much comedy if they're trying to do a serious movie. And even if they weren't, it wasn't the sort of comedy we ourselves were interested in. Mm-hmm. That loops up back to another point I had, but we can touch on that later. But I was going to say, it's like, one of my favorite types of comedy is just, like, witty banter between characters. There's the sharp. So, like, uh... Wax and Wayne from the Alloy of Law series. Most of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Marvel's gotten pretty good at Witty Avengers. Banter. Yeah. A lot of these superhero movies have found, I think, a good balance. A lot of the Marvel movies. A lot of the Marvel ones, yeah. And DC but... is too busy being dark and edgy, or mm-hmm. uh, hilariously trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also think they have to keep... Marvel has to keep trying, because they don't want to fall into the same repetitive storytelling Mm -hmm. and a lot of this holds true for like one long story segment like a movie Mm -hmm. but for something that's episodic like avatar the last airbender it has to be like little comedic bits sprinkled throughout a lot Mm -hmm. of the episodes and some of them can be more comedy focused others can be a lot less and that's perfectly fine just has to be paced well and the comedy has to be spread throughout Mm -hmm. because it's one of the things that i think makes the show intriguing and fun to rewatch, no matter what and, like, Phineas and Ferb, obviously, it's a kid's show, so it's meant to be funny and comedic. And so they just, they put in a bunch of jokes and gags, but it never feels out of place. Yeah. Hence, my entire out-of-context quotes list. Yeah, there are a ton that are really, really good. Do you want one just randomly? Sure, we haven't had a verse in a while. Provide filler. That's something I also need to talk about, because if we move into the anime spectrum of things, we get sometimes when the animators are trying to animate a show, but they run out of content from the manga, or they're still writing the manga, they have to have a lot of filler episodes, which often add nothing to the overall plot, and they're often the bane of most people's existence. Probably because it's hard to write comedy that still fits inside the source material, mm-hmm. like in the little time span they have in between arcs. Like... They want nothing to change so they can still continue from where the manga picks up, but it's also incredibly boring at times if it's not done well, because I think it just comes off as very unnatural. And that's that random, so. So I landed in between two, so I'm going to read both of them. So the first one is, I can't believe you got a monkey basketball team, but only got one monkey. And then uh, the other one, which I think fits well into the conversation we were just having. Do you mind? We have a visual gag going on here. 
if we had a visual guide going on here, I'd be very impressed for one. Right. Like, how did we manage that inside an audio? Really cool if we did, though. Yeah, really. So I have a couple other points. Is anyone keeping the score? Like, he has a couple more points. I have a couple more points. Jake has some points. Who's winning right now? And why is it Lydia? <laughs> Lydia is probably very proud of all the names dro- name drops she's gotten in this episode. She's also very proud of lighting people on fire. <laughs> That's a conversation for the D&D episode. We already had that conversation. Um, it didn't end well for us. What else do I talk about here? Um, I want to talk about like the actual quality of the storytelling. And this is like, yes, the writing of the dialogue. Yes, the actual plot. But more of what I was going for here that I couldn't figure out how to write is like the descriptions. Figurative language. I guess the way I always say it in my mind is like the prose, but I don't know if that's really the right term for it. We should probably leave that to the prose. Wah, wah. But like the way they tell the story, the actual writing of it, the words they use. This is especially true in like either like something that's just written on a page because mm. there's also visual storytelling, which is a vital part of certain anime. And just movies in general, like you can see the emotions on people's faces, the reactions like, to the scenery. That, sa- that principle could be applied to like the way the camera works, or yeah, the way something is animated, or yeah, animation is important. Yeah, facial expressions are important. Now I'm gonna do the entire podcast with a straight face. Yeah, the entire podcast is important. There goes your straight face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and then the example I had was just all of Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson is important. He really is, though. Our Lord and Savior, Brandon Sanderson. (laughs) Shout out if you get that reference. And then the one other point I had is it has to be enjoyable for all ages. I can fight you on this, but But go on. So what I said is even if it's aimed at a certain age group, it can be enjoyed by anyone. So... Like, Phineas and Ferb, you know, it's aimed at kids, but, like, you know, our parents still enjoy it. Uh, The same with Avatar. It's aimed at kids, but I know a lot of, like, young adults really enjoy Avatar, the people in their 20s and 30s. You know, what I'm going to argue here is that that's what makes some of the best shows and stories and whatever, but not necessarily just a good story. Because a good story can either have something that appeals to everyone or it can be specialized to a certain demographic. Because people are more likely to say that a story is good if it fits their demographic. I remember before it became a movie, I read the book Ready Player One. And I remember liking that book so much. But when I talked to people who were older than me, like my uncle, they said it was alright. It wasn't as intriguing as I found it. Which means it was specialized towards the demographic and story that I liked. Which means I was likely to call it good as a result. QED question mark? QED? It's a Latin abbreviation. I think it means so there, essentially. Oh. Well, why didn't you say so? And like, It's probably just common sense, but you don't want your older stories to have almost childish a lack, lack of complexity. Like Most YA novels don't have a lot of political intrigue, and like most children's books aren't dystopian in nature like if they are it's an intriguing way to raise your child i don't recommend it but it's intriguing <laughs> trial by fire I've raised them to 
overthrow government. Featuring Lydia. <laughs> Featuring that entire D and D group. I mean, that's the plan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We are extremely anarchist in D and D. Apparently, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Okay. I think that certain and you guys have pretty much touched on all of it, but sorry, certain stories I feel can only be told when they're more centered towards certain demographics. Like there's stuff you can't really have in more of a children's type medium, but you can for like shows more for adults and stuff. And I think at least for me, I prefer a more balance of the things. That's fair. There's also some things that can be splashed into certain other demographics, like Teen Titans, the original show, mm-hmm. and Not Go, Heavens No Not Go, <laughs> had a lot of anime influences when it first started out, and people who don't like anime obviously don't want to start watching that, but for me as a kid, it made me really enjoy that, and I think that, because I saw that first, I think it also got me intrigued on the prospect of anime because it was a little more familiar at that point. So it went full circle in that case. But obviously it's not true for everyone, circle but it's an intriguing... of anime. When's that episode coming? Anime. In defense of anime. To I think it's uh, going it's to not be a court coming. case. <laughs> he's going to be the prosecutor. I'm going to be the defense attorney. I would lose. All according to Keikaku. Translator's note, Keikaku means plan. <laughs> uh, do I have any other plot points? Plot points? I don't think I do. Jared, rant for a while. Wow, you're putting me on the spot here. You have talking points. I'm not putting you on the spot. I guess I could talk more about like if something is plot-driven. Jump back to that for a second. That's number four. You covered already like comic relief and the character-driven stuff. The mm-hmm. graphic things. You're just going to lie down and let me talk. Mm-hmm. This is going to be terrible. I apologize in advance. But, like... Actually, no, let's skip ahead to... Or we could go into character. I think that's Good. fair at this point. Alright. So that, that way everyone can talk and it's not just me yelling at people. I don't have as much on character, so... That's fine, we can improvise. Uh, we can discovery write these talking this. points. <laughs> so Jake, start us off. Alright, so first, little segue into characters. So I feel, I said before, like... I normally get drawn in for the plot, you know, like I hear a little description, it brings me in. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, you don't stay for the plot, especially since we talked about before, the middles are more weaker. Mm-hmm. More weaker? And you, you, <laughs> the, the middle weaker. tends to be weaker. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, a lot of times, will stay for the characters because they will. I don't know. As long as they're interesting. So they carry the middle section of the words? Like their interactions and yeah. interesting personalities will carry the middle section. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then their like emotional arcs conclude in the ending at the same time as the plot does, and that makes it basically interesting on all fronts for the ending. That's how it should yeah. ideally be done. Mm-hmm. The... Um another uh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to bring us to another Do point. It. So, uh, main ca- main characters, just about main characters. Okay. I, think I so. feel like this yeah. is going to be an interesting discussion. Go on. So, I'm starting very uncontroversial. Okay. Oh, good. It should be generally agreed on. I think that main characters 
they they need to show like change and struggle they need to have some sort of an arc yeah um and generally for me i i like to root for the main characters but that doesn't mean the main character has to be perfect they definitely in fact i would argue they shouldn't be perfect they should have flaws thank you thank you but (laughs) we don't need to bring in the mary sue argument into this Mm -hmm. because that's a rant and a half although there is uh if you do you have more to say that's okay so the there is an argument i would like to make Uh, the, the question i'd like to pose is is the chosen one trope overused I think that if you're going to create a story right now with the chosen one trope, you need to introduce some other element that doesn't tend to be used. Like, provide some sort of twist. The fact it's become a trope means that it's been spun many, many times already. So you need to either add your own spin on it or play it for laughs. Like, you could have the protagonist be an utterly static character and have everyone around them react in shock at all what so the, the main character would be an alto part no they'd be the tenor part in a four-part chorus no the alto uh, i guess tenor part also is like in this in this one core work i like i'm pretty sure the alto stays like only sings middle c for about 20 measures or like the tuba part in an orchestra or band whatever i would your band i know that's why jake's the new co-host <laughs> But like, be with you. <laughs> Gigs come back, please don't leave me. <laughs> but yeah, I think what I was referring to for that specific example was One Punch Man. Okay. An anime that is, despite its slightly graphic nature, it's entirely comedic. Slightly? Okay, it's, it's not meant for people under the age of 17, I think. It's just for the sheer amount of gore that gets thrown around. It's not exactly clean yeah anyways so neither are those streets ish so basically that was a really bad joke anyway moving on so basically what one punch man does is it has the character the main character is capable of beating everything in one punch and he does it basically every single time but he feels this strange sense of ennui and unfulfillment since he can't really find a challenge anymore so the entire anime, a lot of the intrigue comes from the side characters not knowing that he is this super powerful mm. character and just watching him do everything. And it's it's an interesting show and series, but more often it's hilarious. Because the main side character is a robot who <laughs> basically follows the shonen anime formula. He, tra- he trains to get stronger. He goes through upgrades, does everything he can. Still gets exploded every single time he tries. <laughs> then one punch man has to go in and save the day. The usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like yeah. I'm I'm currently working on a story that has like, you know, the chosen one and a prophecy. But I don't, I also haven't written this part, but like I feel like it's different enough to still be interesting. Like I like what they did with like not only Avatar The Last Airbender, but some Fire Emblem games where the chosen one, air quotes, doesn't have to go it alone, and they have a lot of support characters that often have different niches that they fill, and so the chosen one isn't as chosen and can solve everyone's problems alone. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still flawed, but they have friends that can make up for those flaws, and I think that's more important than having an unflawed protagonist. 
or more interesting at the very least. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey. Jake, did you have any other points on characters? I had one, if Jake doesn't. Oh, I have, I have one, in. but I have a feeling someone covered it. Um, More on support characters, minor characters. What? How do you guys feel about them and, like, character development? Like, I personally don't think they have to have, like, one huge arc, like the main character. Yeah. But they should still be interesting and show some struggle. Yeah, some struggle, some change, something they have mm-hmm. to adapt to, yeah. My my kind of, like, idea here, my mentality is side characters around the age of the protagonist should change and develop. But if they're significantly older or younger, they don't necessarily need to, because especially on the significantly older side, those are characters that you know, have already aged and gained wisdom. I guess you could say they've already gone through their character arc. And they're there to serve a purpose in the story, not necessarily to grow and change. That being said, it's not impossible. I mean, look at Agent no. Callus. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't have characters who are significantly older than your main character grow. I think if you do... Props to you, but I just don't think they need to. Like, I wouldn't be mad. And there's also some Ooh. characters, even in the protagonist age group, don't need to grow that much. Toph! <laughs> Toph's just too OP as she is. That is entirely fair. I mean... I am not Toph! I am Melon Lord! <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. Um, but yeah. My last point on characters, I realize now that this, it was for villains, and this is not the right episode for villains. <laughs> okay, we can still touch we on it now. That. We can touch on it, and then we'll come back to it. We can touch on it, yeah. Okay, so, I wrote that a good story, um, personally, I like it when the villains are more conflicted, but not every story needs to have some conflicted you, it's okay to have like a super evil villain in certain stories, like in more in like Harry Potter, right? Voldemort's not super conflicted, which just kind of kills people. Yeah, and I think that's okay for that story. Yeah, that's exactly my idea. I think that you know, I like stories where villains have a good backstory and a good reasoning to do what they do, but you can't go wrong with the tried and true big bad evil guy. Especially if it gives your lower villains a chance to shine and develop. Like, give it, like, in my mind, this is the difference between the Dark Lord, or air quotes, Ozai, versus Zuko and Azula, who got a lot more development over the series. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll come back to that in the villain episode. Mm-hmm. I could go uh, on a total yeah. rant. Well, two weeks. Yeah. Um. So, my one. Wait, what'd you say about my power level? <laughs> two weeks. Not two weeks. <laughs> Two that weeks. was not two weeks. Uh, I guess it's time to go. Let Jake right. be co-host. Uh, <laughs> you just got cancelled one too many times on Twitter, Jared. <sighs> I knew I should have gotten the down payment on the elephant. <laughs> Alright, so my uh, thought is that your characters should be able to be relatable. 
Yes. That ties into one of my points, so I will join you in a second. This is like, I just said, you know, characters that you can reflect at least one part of yourself, like, you can see at least one part of yourself into. So, like, you know, growing up, and still now, I was always, you know, that nerdy kid who basically, like, liked school and followed all the rules, and so, like, I could relate to characters like Hermione and Annabeth, and those were arguably two of my favorite characters, but, like, um, Mm -hmm. Luna Lovegood was one of my favorites, because she was, you know, the weirdo that not everybody, that everyone thought was weird, but when they got to know her, was actually very sweet. I don't know if that exactly works for me, because I don't know if I'm really very sweet when you get to know me, but, um... It's part of your charm. <laughs> By that I mean your sarcasm and biting wit. <laughs> uh, but Jared, what was your point? My point is that not only the characters should be relatable, but just a lot of the themes that the story portrays should be mm-hmm. relatable. Like, I mean, th- they're cliches because they keep repeating, but you have your chosen one, your underdog zero to hero stories. No time flat. Zero to hero, just like that. That's what such a good song. It is. That movie soundtrack is so good. Who wants to climb Gladiator? And, like, something that a lot of people can relate to is romance stories, because, mm-hmm. like, even if it's not a typical romance story, it's still going to be a market for that, no matter what. Can I actually, but I have thoughts on romance. So, not actual romance, but romance and stories. Um, yes, how scandalous. I So, I know a lot of people, and the example I can think of off the top of my head is Enola Holmes. I don't know if you've seen that, Jake, but you oh, have. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, good. a lot of people I was talking to said that they thought the romance was unnecessary in Enola Holmes. And maybe I'm just a sucker for cheesy romances, but I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was alright, and I also don't think that like the purpose of that story wasn't to tell a romance, but at the same time, if there was, they needed to have some sort of relationship. But they, it could have been more of a friendship platonic, type yeah. one, platonic. That's the word, platonic. I think but, it would have been um, cool to show that actually, just to go against the norm more than I mean, Holmes already did. Okay, so maybe I'm just a sucker for cheesy no, romance. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm <laughs> saying they could have done something that would have been interesting, but the fact that they did, it doesn't make it wrong. Yeah, I think it's just the call that they made. I personally probably would have liked to see a non-romantic one just for that story, just because not everything has to be a romance. Mm-hmm. And then my my other thought on romance is, recently there's been a lot of like cartoons that have LGBT representation, and I think that's just so important. It definitely is, but what's more important, I think, is the fact that not only is it there but it's done well and organically. Right. If they just throw it in for the sake of yeah. being in there, it kind of like, undermines the effort, yeah? This this might be a hot take. I don't know. But I... Let me roast some marshmallows <laughs> over it. I appreciate everything that Rick Riordan has done to show representation in his books. I think it's awesome. But sometimes I feel like it's a bit much. Maybe that just sound, makes me sound like a horrible person. I promise I'm not a horrible person. <laughs> That's the exciting thing the imposter would say. <laughs> but, like, you know, everyone is... there. A lot of people in his recent books are LGBTQ, which is great, but 
I don't know. Jake, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't really know. I feel like that fandom, especially they don't, like, they kind of, I don't know, just, like, say whatever about any character, with, and it's it's just, it is what it is. I think. He just tends to have a lot more representation than other people, mm-hmm. and that's fine, because yeah. representation is... Yeah, and to be fair, even before Rick Riordan, like, if you ever venture on in, through the sands of the strange hell site called Tumblr. Oh dear. You will find the... No. <laughs> <laughs> just telling us to Pugleyville. The bridge is out. It's too dangerous to go alone. Take this. left alive. Oh. Not yet. <laughs> what? What is it too dangerous to go alone from? Uh, Legend of Zelda, the original. Well, how was I supposed to get that? It's 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 a meme at this point, bro. Why you disappoint you me? That? You don't actually disappoint me. I'm just being overdramatic as usual. Yeah, I know. Uh, what Anyways, the uh, basically shipping culture basically has a takes basically any brand of fictional character that fits in quote unquote aesthetic and will push them together. Like even if there are so many series, like the one that comes to mind is Keeper of the Lost Cities. I think every character has been shipped with every other character. That's just the nature of fan sites, fan fiction, and whatever. Yeah. People are going to be shipped with whomever, no matter what, even if it throws undermines what makes their characters unique and interesting. That'd be an interesting episode topic, talking about ships and our favorite fictional romances. It's not like we have that planned or anything. Nope, never. Not once. Baka. Anyways. Um... What? What else but do yes. we have in Representation this is good. Romance is good most of the time. Platonic relationships are also good. Heck yeah, they are. Um, like fantasy or escapist stories are always going to be relevant. Oh yeah. It's why we've gotten a lot of like person is sent to another world animes in recent years. Because mm-hmm. as the world becomes more and more dire and strange, a lot of people just don't want to deal with that and go to fictional mediums to escape. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even more prevalent now, but it was always there. I mean, things like John Carter of Mars, that series, it's an isekai. Ah. Dante's Inferno is an isekai! <laughs> Bringing it all back. Uh, yeah, do we, I guess, do we have any final thoughts? I also Wrap have one oh, last have... point. Alright, you have one last Take point. That. Okay, jeez. I'm pointing I... directly at you. Ow. I pointed too hard, sorry. <laughs> I have been poked. Anyways, so something I, just a weird thought I had, and we could count this as a philosophical tangent, maybe. Oh boy, the return of your philosophical tangents, question mark? I have to, it's my swan song. I'm being ejected (laughs) as host. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, stories can be good, but people aren't going to know they're good unless it's either A, adopted by a major platform, or... Adapted? No, adopted by a major platform. Like, uh, if it's like, a ne- it becomes a Netflix original, or if it joins an already yes adapted like, established piece of media. Like, if The Office was taken off Netflix, how many people are going to? It was taken off Netflix. Like, but how many people are going to pay for the other thing just to watch The Office? Probably a non-zero amount of people. And if they haven't seen The Office in the first place, why? Like, their best chance to watch it was while it's on Netflix. That's what I'm saying. So, 
Yeah, that but, makes sense. That makes but, sense. But that's that's for older shows. What I want to focus on is that newer things either have to be have to have a an influential publisher and good marketing, mm-hmm. or b just have an intriguing concept that gets like pushed incredibly through the blogosphere or whatever. Like blogosphere. What are you? Fifty. Minor details. Great Grandpa Jared. <laughs> that is my name in the chat group. It's. I should make that your name in the uh, Geek Orthodox Discord server that you can all join and should join. You try that, I'll make you a geek Link heretic. In the description. You can't. You don't have that kind of power. Not yet. I don't think anyone has that power. <laughs> Hashtag minor details. There might be one person that can change my nickname. But yeah. Just the marketing is something that people don't really think about when they're writing a story. But in order for people to recognize that your story is great, a lot of people have to see that your story is out there. So you have to... Also, if you like are able to get it promoted by people with a bigger fan base than you. Valid, valid. Like, I mean, Rick Riordan presents stories. How many yeah. people would be reading those if they were just... uh? Regular books. I probably wouldn't. a lower portion by a long shot, I just because Rick Ryan is already an established writer. Um, I think that there's a lot of stories to consume, and I think it's really good to try and find just someone who has a lot of the same kind of tastes as you, because that's like the perfect person to give recommendations to and to receive recommendations. Yeah. And on that note, because that I know that's how I found a lot of my. Now, that being said, it's also good to expand your horizons. So no, if you have not. something that crosses over between genres, like one that you like and one that you're kind of on, it might be cool to read it yeah. anyway, just to see if it if this one sparks joy. Unless you like fantasy and sci-fi, in which case only ever read sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I have read lots of non-super, like, fantasy, high fantasy, you know, like Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings type stuff. I hadn't read much of that, but I kind of dabbled in the corners and I took the leap and now I'm deep inside and I love it. But eventually I know I'm going to have to take another leap somewhere else and just kind of expand. Just keep reading epic fantasy. Why would you read anything else? Can I do a brief shout out? Sure. Shout out to short stories in general, because even though you think they're just like golf and miniature, they're just stories (laughs) in short. They are not that they can have a lot different takes mm-hmm. on in depth you can go into a lot of themes with more intensity because you don't have to necessarily build up to mm-hmm. it because you only have a certain amount of words that you have to fill mm-hmm. some examples that come to mind are uh, the tale of harrison bergeron did you read that because i made you read it no i read it before then oh, okay i read that in my english class this year it is an intriguing short story mm-hmm. and you also have like People like Ray Bradbury, who even though they wrote long books like Fahrenheit 451, wrote also wrote The Sound of Thunder, Sound of Thunder and yeah. something That's that chills me to my very my core, br- The Velt. Actually... I have not read The Velt. You haven't, but it's a chilling read, I must tell you. I was trying to think of that Ray Bradbury short story, and my brain went to A Memory of Light. That sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It's not. It's the 14th Wheel of Time book. Close enough. 14th or 15th, Jake? Uh, 14th. There are 14 and a purple. Okay. I need to read them. Yeah, same. Honestly. Uh, me too. That's next year's project. Oy vey. Um, yeah, you know, see, you know you don't really want to expand your horizons when you have uh, TBRs that already take up the 
part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Can I make another brief shout out? Yes. And just monopolize our time? Yes. Shout outs to fan writers. You're trying your best. That's all. No. I, I will confess, I have read some not terrible fan fiction in my career. It's always kind of a gotcha because it's easy to find like three star fan fiction that's decent it'll say your urge but it's not anything too special and then was never and was also never finished oh yeah that's that's basically a given at this point you're gonna find one of those there's a dime a dozen Mm -hmm. but if you find something that's a actually complete b for a fandom that you like and c has better storytelling than the original series it's just like (sighs) jay you should look for a divergent fan fiction i think i really shouldn't that doesn't fit that doesn't meet my second criteria (laughs) <laughs> it would be better written than the original. That's a low bar, kiddo. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars Rebels but it was written better than the original prequels, but... Uh, well, it was written better than 1 and 2. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay, I, I accept your addendum. But that, that's a thing that ties back to earlier in our whatever about beginnings, middles, and ends. Just the ending... The ending doesn't really redeem that entire trilogy. No, it does not. It Especially does not. Attack of the Clones exists. You hate that. Yes, he does. I don't know why. Well, the jo- the meme I just came up with. Me, whenever I say any opinion on, whenever I want to say any opinion on Star Wars. Oh no, I'm not brave enough for politics. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars fandom is so divisive. I'd rather be divisive than decisive. Drop the niceties. Silence. A message from the king. Dave Filoni. Darn it. I was going to break into the jailhouse rock, but I forgot the words. <laughs> a message from the king. All right. So I guess, should we rap? I just tried Hamilton. Why didn't yeah. you rap there? That was that was what the joke I was going to make. But, um, yeah, stories are good. Wow. I love stories. <laughs> stories are my... Go read stories. Go create stories. Do These stories are great. Excellent are my favorite. Nothing beats an excellent story. These stories are amazing! Shout out if you get the reference. Oh, I have to think of something, yeah. Nope, nope, that doesn't fit there at all. <laughs> Let's just cut this out, cut this out. We'll leave it in as part of your storied past. <laughs> My tragic backstory. Of course. You know, that's something that's a little overdone in recent years. The tragic backstory. Like overly tragic. Sports, in which case, yes. In which case, it's hilarious and that's allowed. But, like, something like... We'll talk about that at length in the Phineas and Ferb episode. But something overly tragic, just for the sake of being tragic, just feels kind of unnecessary, you know? Their parents are dead. Okay, Batman. <laughs> that wasn't the joke I was making. We know what perished means. That also wasn't the joke I was making. Well, darn it, I'm out. Olaf, Frozen 2. Oh, this is so sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was such a great movie. Your granny died. What's that from? I think that's from a YTP about Moana. Ignore me. Mother died today. Or maybe it was yesterday. I don't know what that's from. I just know that that's a famous opening line of a book. My mother is a fish. I have no idea what that's from. Mandatory Google break. Mandatory Google break. Part D. It is from... It is from The Stranger by Albert Camus. Camus. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's Charles. My name is Ishmael. That's Herman Melville. It's actually Call Me Ishmael. Yeah, I know. Hmm, Not a bad start. All right. Well, uh, 
thank you all for listening to this. We actually didn't have 50% tangents. What is It's this? because we actually planned stuff out. Sorry, y'all. We'll try and have more uh, comic relief in there We're next time. Brand. This, this is so sad. Um, Alexa played Depresso. Do you want to have like 75 minutes of rambling now? Make up for it? <laughs> Do it. No. Um, Do it. Do it. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Jake, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. This is always a lot yes, of fun. Yes, it is. Um, I still. I right, want to welcome our new two co-hosts. Are you? Does this episode make you the most guested guest? I would uh, never would have guessed. Maybe. Let's see. If we disregard the year in review, you were on one, two, three. Oh, you beat Lydia. Ouch. Don't tell her that, or I might set on fire. <laughs> you are wrong. I think this will, this will be your fifth episode. And wow. Emily has been in one, two, three, four, five. Those are so good reasons. Tied. And Emily's about to break the tie. I, I think uh, Jared beat me. <laughs> Since I'm a guest now, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at PodGeekOrthodox and on Instagram at GeekOrthodoxPod. If you couldn't tell already, we know it is fantastic. <laughs> Might I recommend the Stargazer Lounge? You may not. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Avatar, A-V-A-T-A-A-R. You can't find Jared anywhere except you can, Discord. Yeah, I'm thinking of revealing my actual Twitter account, but I haven't used it in ages, so it'll just be a random plain you thing. You can just create a new Twitter account. Well, that's too much effort. It's really not, though. Put in your email address, your password, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of butter. Twitter accounts are delicious. <laughs> Shout out if you get the reference. Uh, Jake, can they find you anywhere? They can. They can follow me on Twitter at Jake underscore That man. is not correct. Underscore Jake <laughs> man. I just have to keep trying and I'll get it. It's like, wait, where did I put the underscore? <laughs> Somewhere, I don't You could join the club of how many followers do you have? Five? Four. It's an exclusive club. I might I might set my account on private so it remains exclusive. <laughs> this is all saying. Um but yeah, any any other thoughts on what makes a great story? We expended well, all the time. I think a points. great story has to be a great story. This is just a thought. It might be controversial, but a great story has to be a great story. Make stories great again. No don't. <laughs> They're already great. Alright, so... Or you could just throw them through a cheese grater. That makes them great. That caused me physical pain. Great. <laughs> Jared just got bonked on the head. Um, well... And with all. his little bunny foo-foo impression. <laughs> thank you all for listening, and we will geek out with you next time.